Hello and welcome to Black Eye the Podcast, the podcast where I share my perspective on life through my eyes. Hello, welcome to episode three. Today we're going to be talking about imposter syndrome. So, um, for those who are wondering if I'm doing okay, loads of people message me like, wow, it sounds like you had a really really tough few weeks and I did they were pretty tough but I'm fine thanks for asking um my week's been uh, I'd say better it's been better this week less like series of unfortunate events happening um work's been very busy finishing very late but I'm here I'm alive I'm recording which I'm excited to do um I'm excited for the topic um I was talking about it at work with a colleague and a friend because we were doing a, a kind of session at work about work-life balance and so on and so forth and so um we were just thinking about questions to ask and this came up and then I was thinking about it a lot throughout the week sorry that's me moving the cable I was thinking about it a lot during the week and I thought it's a good one to sit down and talk about and I kind of was talking about my talking about it with my brother and sister earlier today um we were out in Leicester Square went to Foam Bun which is great by the way if you haven't been go to Foam Bun very good restaurant. They do it. They have a voucher on at the minute on timeout. So you pay, I think, twenty five pounds. You get four courses. So like a spring roll, a starter, a main, and then a dessert and an alcoholic beverage for twenty four pounds. So we went with my siblings and my cousin. Uh, it was great. But we were talking about it on the way back, and everyone kind of said they'd all dealt with it at some point, ranging from my cousin who's fifteen to me who's twenty seven, and then my brother who's nineteen, my sister who's twenty three, twenty three. Yeah. So I thought I'd sit down and talk about it. Um. And it's an interesting topic. It's something that I've dealt with at various stages of my life. I'm not currently dealing with right now, but I was a few years ago and I've had it in different scenarios, um, in friendship groups, at work, um, socially, um, at school. And so it's something that's kind of been part of different stages of my life. And I hope, and I feel like a lot of people will have gone through this and be able to relate. So here we go. This is imposter syndrome. Let me start by defining it for you guys just so I make sure everyone knows what I'm talking about I'm sure most people have either heard of it or have experienced it or heard someone else talking about it but um it's defined by Merriam-Webster as a persistent doubt concerning one's abilities or accomplishments accompanied by the fear of being expressed exposed sorry as a fraud despite evidence of one's ongoing success so essentially you're constantly worried that you're not good enough and you have a fear of being exposed as not good enough despite the fact that you're continuously doing well and succeeding at what you do um, and the first person to research this was psychologist Pauline Rose Clance. Um, she studied this kind of feeling of unwarranted senses of insecurity. She actually did it in her, she was a psychologist and she found a lot of students in her class or group saying they kind of all separately expressed they felt they weren't good enough or that they got into the course at the uni um, by error, even though she knew that wasn't true. And she started looking into it and found that it was persistent across ages, gender, race, and it did kind of appear more commonly in, um, more disadvantaged groups, so um, queer people, black people, minority groups, and so on and so forth, disabled people. Um, but that's the definition. It not, it's not necessarily tied to mental health conditions, so anxiety, depression, or low self-esteem, nor is it tied to people who are in extremely highly skilled industries or sectors or like are like geniuses. Um, but talking about geniuses, actually, it's interesting. So two people that expressed um, famously that they had imposter syndrome, Maya Angelou, um, she said, I run a game on everyone and they're going to find out despite this was at the point where she'd won, written like loads of successful books and won loads of awards for her writing. And then also Albert Einstein said that he felt that he was an involuntary swindler, um, pulling 
the wool over everyone's eyes. So people who are great at their jobs or geniuses or literally legends also experience imposter syndrome. So there you go. If you have ever felt it and you feel like there's something wrong with you, people that are undoubtedly great at their game have experienced it. So I wanted to um, run through different ways I've experienced it and how it's affected me at least. And I know with imposter syndrome, it can actually affect people in different ways. It can actually stop you from being able to perform at your best level if that's at work like being someone who's able to speak up and be confident and say what you're thinking and you know put forward new ideas or make suggestions of change or like if you're a leader or manager like maybe you're not performing as well as your colleagues or peers who are at the same position as you because you just worry that you're not good enough and it can kind of spiral into like you going to a place where you're actually just not functioning as you should be or as well as you could be um because of this ongoing nagging fear in your mind um and people often I, th- I find people don't want to say they have it or talk about it or raise it because then you worry that you bring it up and talk about it and then actually your fear is confirmed and it turns out that you're not where you belong to be and it's it's an interesting um phenomenon should we say because there can be so many signs telling you that you're not incompetent or not good not not good enough um but you still believe it because you know and I think a lot of people experience it and I have as when you're in a scenario that's kind of tricky or difficult so for example, work, right, and you, you're finding it hard or you feel like it takes you a bit longer to do things or you're, you feel like you have to kind of work harder than others to get stuff done. You start to question, well, it looks like everyone else is finding it super easy or they're getting along just fine. And it's just me that seems to have this issue with coping and getting things done. Maybe I'm faking it and they're all actually really great at it and actually I'm just lying to myself and others. And that can kind of play out and as you start to kind of ignore the signs confirm that you deserve to be there, such as, you know, you got the job, you interviewed and they chose you or you've been getting good feedback or getting good, you know, stats in terms of your performance and metrics, you instead feel like actually that I'm going to get outed one day for not being able to be as good as I say I am. And so for me, one of the first times I remember experiencing it was at school. I went to a grammar school in Essex um, that was not very diverse. Essex is not the most diverse place. And then there were loads of white people and I was one of, I think, like four or five black kids in my year. And we all traveled from like further away. So we traveled about an hour or so away from Upminster. So like different part of Essex, essentially, um, to school. And so naturally, I think, obviously, being a person of color, there's a level of, um, you feel othered quite a lot because you are the one token person of color. And in school, for most of my class, I was the kind of only person of color. And so you really feel like an outsider and then there was the kind of my grand the school I went to was very focused on like grades and performance and education and statistics and how many A stars to, to C's you got or A, A stars to A's you got or whatever um and so there was this con- continuous from the beginning of my school career um focus on performance and doing really well and some people just did really well and I didn't I did well myself but I wasn't always as good as some of my peers which is natural right within school and so I remember thinking like oh I've managed to do the exam but I'd like, I went to, you for the school, I went to the grammar school and people that aren't familiar with grammar schools or aren't from the UK, if you're listening abroad, wow. Um, but you do the 11 plus, which is an exam that you take before you um, go to the school. And there are three parts. You have verbal reasoning, English and maths. And the verbal reasoning is kind of like a, it kind of tracks more the way you think than anything. And so I had a, like a, a tutor that helped me with some preparation and I had that for a while. And so I kind of thought, okay, well, I've been coached to do the exam to get in. And now I'm actually here. Am I am I really supposed to be here? Like, you know, it was hard. Like we had like, I think four, I did 14 GCSEs. We had like classes all the time and so much homework and it was very intense. And 
I was in like one of the top set for like quite a few things. Like it was, we were learning like, you know, advanced material and at times it would just be very, very tricky. And I had friends who were just super smart, <clears throat> sorry. And, um, you know, they would just be able to cope with the flow of work and whatever and keep up and they were fine. And then sometimes I would feel like I had to spend extra time on things to get them. And I still want to get them as much as my friends did. And so I kind of started thinking, okay, well maybe I'm kind of just like a, a clown and I've just snuck in and everyone kind of thinking this guy doesn't get it and I'd ask questions sometimes and you know the teacher would explain and everybody else would be oh, okay fine that makes sense and I'd be thinking oh that doesn't I mean okay he's, I get what he's saying but I don't really get it and that was my thing with maths at least I'm someone I need to understand the reason behind things so I can understand how to apply them with maths you get told equations and a lot of the equations that are formed or derived by very senior very smart you know famous mathematicians right Pythagoras, Pythagoras, Pythagoras theorem um was designed by Pythagoras who was a great mathematician and so it's like um I don't understand I didn't understand for a while why a plus a squared plus b squared equals c squared and obviously now I kind of get you just like put the numbers in and it works but I wanted to understand how that was figured out and so those, that was always hard for me and so when I didn't get things I kind of be like I, I try and force myself to get it but there were so many subjects and things to learn that I couldn't apply that level of detail and like research and thought to all my subjects and all my topics and all the things I didn't get and I, I mean I didn't let it I didn't give up I didn't let it like um I didn't let it beat me I kind of just you know understood that some things I had to work harder on to understand and some things I'd have to ask the teacher a question after class or I'd have to like watch YouTube videos or do some studying or buy some books and stuff and um I was lucky in that I had really good friends and other people kind of be like you know I haven't done my homework today I didn't get that or I kind of just copy someone and then as kind of I think the first few years at school people would not want to admit that they found it hard because you know everyone wants to impress and I think I don't know if it's like this with girls because I went to an all boys school by the way but um boys would kind of say they got it or like that was easy and that was really super simple and they get good marks and you kind of find out that, like some people's mums were helping them do their homework or doing the homework for them if it was art stuff and so eventually as we got to like eight nine ten people kind of would kind of like stop pretending and be like I actually have no idea what's going on in like statistics anymore and we'd all kind of just huddle together and figure out how to do a question and then like we get one of the really smart guys that was in top set that was like doing further maths to explain it to us and then that kind of helped and so I think it was different with with school and then my next um life scenario where I experienced severe imposter syndrome was when I went to university I went to study law and law as a course is just i mean at risk at least it's just insanely intense there's so much um <laughs> there's so much content to it so that we have like seminars like four or five seminars a week and then lectures the lectures was just they were throwing you know case law at you and studies and all this kind of stuff and you know and then you'd have to take it in while taking notes in the hall because they speak so fast so you could look at it later and then also like still manage to to like understand it and take it in and then be like messaging on Facebook at the same time and shopping on top shop and then like talking to your friends. And so there's a lot of a lot of stuff going on when you're trying to be in a lecture. And then you'd have like honestly for each seminar like three or four books to read and then like five or six articles to read. And obviously now I know as an adult you weren't supposed to read all of them in, in fullness or in complete depth. You had to kind of figure out what was you thought was useful for the topics of the questions then kind of like skim through the material and pick sections that were relevant and I didn't really get that I didn't get that throughout my whole course really so I would just be reading and reading and reading and then I'd kind of like get to the point where my brain would just turn off and I would just stop and then kind of go to the seminar and then take notes from other people's answers to the questions and that was kind of how I got through uni I try and prepare not prepare fully go and then pay attention to what was said and then see the teacher's reaction he always kind of they'd always kind of sorry give you 
steer in the right direction or the answer what was the correct way to think about it and I'd make sure I try and get that down then I could kind of go away and then in the, in the library or in preparation during exams actually take my time to sit and digest the figure out like address the answer and then figure out why that was the answer it didn't always work but that's what I did um but I went to uni with some insanely smart people um insanely smart one of my very good friends I lived with was, was she was just amazing she just got the theory and got, got the concepts and got how to this is Harriet by the way if you're listening Harriet she was great she's got how to how to do law she understood how, what to read and what not to read took great notes most of the time understood um how to write an essay and structure an essay properly and like make a point and then tie in um um is it case law or like you know um an article or something and then refer to that and then tie that into her the point she's making and then kind of explain why that was a summary and support what she's saying and then like just you know a b and c and whatever and an introduction a conclusion so i'd always be like harry can you read my um can you read my um essay please and then she'd be like yeah restructure this that doesn't make sense move that around here what are you trying to say here and i just i didn't think like that um i'm better at it now but i didn't think like that back then and so i was like oh my god okay fine Harry gets it and then I had other friends who would just be getting 80s and getting 70s and I was in the 60s and whatever and I was like oh my god like I'm just like all my friends are like when they do apply themselves and they weren't hungover or drunk or like throwing up on the streets and they actually did sit down and try hard to do well and went to the library they were great and I just felt so behind all the time and like I was getting swallowed up by all the studying I had to do and like the the, the timing for things and preparing in order and managing my time and partially working at some points to save some money and then also like socializing and going to clubs and like like network sorry and um also like meeting people and having friends and hanging out and catching up on all the, all the drama that would go like having friends and stuff and like looking for a house and so i felt overwhelmed with all of that and some people seem to just have it together get up and they'd have already been to the gym and had a coffee and then get to the library and they'd be revising from nine to five and then go home and then chill and like make dinner and relax and some people just came as adults and i kind of felt for most of uni out of place in terms of the academic side i didn't feel like i really had a leg to stand on in terms of like you know arguing that I was getting it and doing well at law um but then I think also in terms of like personally um Bristol is a very white private school um university and so when I got to uni my halls is not the best halls it was an old call center it was really kind of gross outside but it was nice on the inside they've just done it up um and a lot of the people that I lived with or in the halls were people that wanted to go to Durham or Oxford or Cambridge and didn't get in and then were here. So they were super smart. Um, I also was supposed to go to Durham and I ended up going to Bristol. But they were very smart but also very rich and like had been to private school. I had been to a grammar school in Essex and so it was like a school for smart people but it wasn't necessarily tied to financial standing or just wealth and so a lot of these people the first thing was like skiing like where do you ski like where do you ski when you go skiing and I was like I actually never been skiing um ever and like I don't think I ever will I have been now but that was really weird for me and then people all kind of knew each other like if they went to school in a certain area they know of, of each other's schools or know each other through like rugby or like hockey or whatever sport they did and they all kind of love they called food supper and I, I called it just dinner <laughs> and um people would like just dress a certain way like very kind of like shabby charity shop chic and speak a very well-spoken so like very very like very well-spoken like different to the way people speak in Essex and um yeah that was just it was like it was weird it was like going from going to a different planet and everyone kind of everyone seemed to the majority of people seemed to fit into that bracket um and the parents would come down for dinner all the time and they like kind of you know 
travel home on the train for like a family event and they'd have like expensive clothes and they have loads of money and they'd be going out clubbing all the time and buying drinks and like they weren't thinking about money and I had to be you know making sure I was being sensible with money and so I felt like oh my god I really actually don't belong here like this isn't this place is not for me this wasn't like the place I should have ended up at because the majority of people here were different to me and I found it hard and I actually like for the first time in my life became someone that wasn't very social I, I had like one or two good friends um one who I live with Michael and then a few other friends that I um made through law and then that was kind of it and the law society was like law cohort was big and there were like the, there was like the law gang and the guys that were in the library and they were on the UBLC which is the University of Bristol Law Club and they were like kind of it was kind of like the pre-suits right they'd all be like going to these like events with like law firms and like studying and getting great grades and being friends with the tutors and just they were like, kind of like how to get, get away with murder and Elisa's like core group and then there were the kids who were doing like other stuff but like everyone kind of knew each other and like there was like I didn't really get involved in the like the, the like social nightlife vibe with this law club stuff um because I just found it easy to just go to my lectures and then go home and hang out with Michael who I live with and hang out with my friends and that was just fine and then I um I just found it weird so I didn't really, I initially didn't really share too much about myself. When they asked me, I'd say I was from like Essex and fine, but and people knew where that was. Um, but I didn't really feel like I had much to offer in the way of conversation and what people were up to and kind of things. And like people's like backgrounds differed from mine. I remember one time I went to this, these drinks in one of the halls in um, in Bristol. Was it Hyatt Baker or Stokebridge? One of the ones where you like, they have, like, I think they had like, um catering or whatever but there was a bar in one of the um halls area um or like campuses and i remember saying like oh how do you like hi how are you blah 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 and i'd say like oh like who do you know him they'd be like oh like these got all these guys and they'd be like 20 people they all went to the same private school and then i'd ask someone else they'd be like oh these guys and everyone in that place knew each other they were like, he, one guy was like yeah most of us know each other we all kind of went to like two separate schools were close to each other and so i was like wow this is interesting and it wasn't my halls i traveled up to go there to meet someone i knew but like I was like, it's very different to my experience coming there and having like a group of 40 people who know each other who are very similar to you and have a very similar background to you and have experiences that are very similar to you. I didn't have that. And I was like, okay, fine. So it was clear that, that was this was kind of a very different space for me. And it took me a while to adjust. And part of it was like, and this is not something I'm embarrassed to say, I kind of like, you you adapt, right? And I think that's one thing with me and kind of imposter syndrome is that I kind of learn to adapt to the situation I'm in to at least help myself feel more comfortable and then to kind of like, I don't want to say blend in, but I'm a chameleon in different ways and feel like I, I can find commonality. And so when I went back home for one Christmas, Christmas, my friends were like, one of my friends was like, you sound like you've been hanging out with the queen. I just had picked up set certain ways of pronouncing things in a certain kind of way of speaking just from being around people who went to private school and were very, very posh. And like that's kind of still like present in my voice today. Um, and eventually I made very good friends that, you know, were not of that ilk and were very different and like were very down to earth and very real. I'm not saying that people that went to private schools are like bad or like not realistic, but it's very different to my childhood and my upbringing. So that was always interesting. Um, but it was weird for, for like a good year or so. Um, and like eventually you kind of, you, you find your people, I think. So like with Bristol, I ended up finding friends that, that I'm still like, you know, a good hand, a good amount of friends that I'm still very close with now that we found ourselves in that situation that wasn't us or that even if that was their background, they didn't want to be part of that group. They wanted to make new friends and be different. And so I made those friends, but it was very weird being away from home and being in Bristol, which I'd never been to until the day I arrived at Bristol because I thought I was going to Durham. Um, and then being in a, in, a, in, a, in a place full of people that felt like aliens at the time. Um, and then the final place, and this is something that I'm sure kind of will evolve throughout my career was 
work. Um, and it's interesting because, again, with work, you're there five days a week um, and you don't get to choose your team and um, you don't get to choose who you're around. And, you know, I work at, you know, a, a investment bank that is, um, you know, one of the one of the top few in, in the in the country. And so you, there are, you're just around people who are great at their job and um, have worked hard to get there or have come from another firm to, to, where they're doing something else before to upgrade and become more senior or have wanted to be in, in the kind of banking their whole life or this is their livelihood. They don't have any outside of work hobbies. And so people, for some people, that is their everything and they're working a lot of hours and they're getting paid a lot of money for it. So it means even more and it's supporting their family and allows them to live the lifestyle they're living. And I came from uni, my first job was this job. And, you know, I didn't have any like financial background. I just had been studying law, think I was going to do law, try that for one side, I didn't want to do it, which wasn't for me in, in the way that you had to kind of study for another year at the LBC or the GDL. And then you had to go and do, sorry, you had to go and do, um, you know, two years training. I just kind of want, I wanted, I wanted to just start working. And I, I realized from studying at Bristol, I wasn't like studying, wasn't for me. I wasn't very good at like independent study and being left to just run on a muck and just, you know, have to time manage. And I'm sure some of that comes down to like my later diagnosis of ADHD and struggling to kind of do things unless there was a crushing pressure to do them and kind of ties into work. Um, <coughs> sorry. And so I um, ended up in this job and I was just surrounded with people that had been there for a while longer than me. I came in with a cohort of people. And it was just interesting because I was like, wow, like everyone's really about this job and people would like be in their suits. So I had to get a new suit and people would like spoke a certain way. And there was, there's, this, there's, a, there's this kind of corporate Lexus that you have to use when you work in, you know, these corporate in- industries. And I didn't have that. I was still very formal. And it took me a while to figure out my writing style and how I'd email things. And I'd send emails to people and be like, I'm going to say this. And then they'd be like no you should probably maybe like say like this and try taking that out and like probably don't use those words and you should address people in order of seniority and blah 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 all those things I didn't know and so it was like it took me a while to um to figure it out and then I eventually moved to another role where I was sitting on the trading desk um on the trading floor and I was sat with you know traders and bank salespeople and and um and traders um and that was really hard for me because I wasn't I was working in a team that supported the desk, but I wasn't necessarily on, on the desk doing market trading and stuff. And so I was around people that were doing a job that was very highly regarded in the firm just because like, you know, that's where the business makes money. And I wasn't necessarily myself um, doing that. And it, again, it was nothing to do with the people around me. People were nice, but I kind of felt very insecure. And I think part of it was like, you know, with this industry, you know, investment banking, it's not the most diverse industry in the world. There are not a lot of people of color. There weren't at the time, it's better now. And my firm particularly, and also I'm sure other firms, but. I was the only black person on, on the on the floor um, that I could see at least when, where I was sat. And so, you know, you come every morning and you're like, oh my God, like I'm actually, and I said before, this was with primary school, uh, with school, sorry, I mean, even with, with uni, I was the only person of color. So you kind of really feel like eyes are on you. And they might, they may have been, they very may well have been, they, may, they very may well have been, or they might not have been. But I think I felt already like oh my god okay fine like this is this is i got to come in and switch it on and be on my a game and this is we got to do this um and 
I just felt like I didn't belong there. I just felt I, I this was a, this this was where I was going to get found out because I just didn't feel like I was of that ilk or of that kind of vibe. I just didn't feel like it was me. And I had I kind of as I said before tried to blend in and I come in and be like ha 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 and you know make the jokes and do whatever. I just didn't feel like it was me. And I was I did that role for probably about a year or so, a year and a half probably. And every day you come in and have to kind of like psych myself I remember walking to the stage and be like okay I play some like music that hype me up and I come in and kind of put on that personality and you know kind of do, do what I had to fit in but also I felt like I wasn't necessarily doing the best at my job even though I was you know kind of wasn't getting told I was doing badly I just felt like I couldn't be doing as good as these guys were because they seemed to be like buzzing all the time and they were psyching themselves up and I kind of felt like well I I'm, stuff is getting done right and I'm finishing stuff and my manager's happy with me but I kind of I think I felt like I was just kind of getting by I felt like I was just kind of always playing catch up um and I, I felt like I was always trying to just stop fires from starting rather than like thriving and that wasn't the case now looking back but I kind of felt like oh like oh god like I hope they don't like check for this email or, or like see my queue or see how like what I've got left to do today or what's I missed from last week but then I realized now obviously looking back like that's kind of working you're always kind of trying to get stuff done it's never just like okay like wow like I'm done for the day there's always something you could be doing um and so I think it it just felt very intense at times um and of course eventually I spoke to my friends who were doing some robots sitting on different desks and you know we were all actually kind of going through the same thing and actually at times like very low and very down because we felt like we didn't we just this wasn't the right place for us or we weren't good enough or we weren't smart enough and we weren't doing the job properly but actually when I look back now and this is the thing with imposter syndrome there are often things that can confirm for you that your fears and doubts are incorrect because I was actually chosen I was chosen I was too one out of two that were asked to move and do this new hybrid role that was supporting on the desk and sitting on the desk and that was because I was performing really well in my previous role but you know in this situation I couldn't really see that I was more focused on the fact that I felt like I didn't belong and I felt out of place and I felt that people didn't want me there and I felt like I wasn't doing good at my job and you know feedback from the desk was always positive and feedback from the people I was working with was always great but I always felt like I was not actually what people thought I was and for a while it made me very sad and actually made it quite hard to kind of do the job because I kind of would kind of be questioning and right like is this really, really where I want to stay and sometimes when you think like that you start thinking about okay well do I want to be here and if not where would I want to go and so you actually kind of your focus shifts a bit because you're more focused on worrying and focused on like quite questioning things questioning if this is where you want to be that you actually don't have enough time or energy to focus on just doing the job well um and eventually I started to kind of think, okay, well, I want to do really, really well at this. So I, I just started changing my approach to things and making sure that I was doing everything I could to make sure that I was performing in a way that made me feel like I was achieving stuff and also asking for feedback and setting up meetings with people that I worked with and asking them what they were working on and what I could help with. And so I just changed my approach. And that kind of leads on nicely to what I think, what I would say the ways you can, I have at least and ways I found helpful to combat imposter syndrome is actually ask yourself the facts. So, for example, the three examples I gave with school, union, work, feeling like you don't belong, but actually, like, how did you end up there? I ended up at my school because I studied and took an exam, and I passed the exam with good grades, and I got in, and I was offered the place. And I got into uni because I studied hard, and I didn't get into maybe the uni I wanted to, but I got into a very good uni, again, with the grades to get in, and I got in, I was offered the place. And then with work, I interviewed, and I got the job, and 
I've been there for I've been here now for five years and I haven't been fired right and so it's like if you were really that bad and people like with any job if you're not good enough for your job and you get found out you will get let go people like won't keep people around that aren't good enough and so there's a fact to support that and often you kind of if you take the time to step back and say okay well how do people talk to me and if you're I think most of us are if you're emotionally intelligent or you have an understanding or you have an ability to kind of be perceptive and look at the way people talk to you and what the feedback is you're hearing and how people approach you and what the the kind of energy you get from people around you when they you know engage with you and work things you'll probably find that actually like people do like working with you and people have good things to say about you or have act- actively said good things to you or given you good feedback and it might be subtle things like oh good job well like thanks for that i really appreciate that or oh, that was good or like yeah that was really fast well done but sometimes your mind can downplay the, the significance of those things or make them seem like a lie or incorrect because you just don't really want to believe that that's what the case is um also i i think another thing that's really helpful is just talking to friends who are either in the scenario with you so at uni friends or friends at work or, school, or at school or at work like friends you have at work like how are you finding it and like sharing like i've shared this with people that sometimes i've just said i don't feel like i'm really good at my job i, I don't really belong here i feel kind of like i'm gonna get outed in court one day and then they're like oh my god i feel exactly the same like sometimes i'm literally doing things i'm like what the hell am i doing i have no idea what's going on no idea what i'm doing but i kind of just wing it and it seems to work and so there's a level to, level to that i think with a lot of things particularly i think at this stage of my career a lot of my friends are saying the same thing like we're still learning there's a lot with any industry this you can learn that's why you have senior executives they're normally old and they've been in the industry for 10 plus years because you see enough things enough times to understand how they work and have a view and form a way to solve issues and so I'm still very new in my career and I'm still learning a lot and I'm still figuring out how things work and so of course there will be an element of things that come up you know quite frequently like I say one or two things a week that I'm actually I've never seen this before I've no idea what I'm doing but you know the difference is I have the tenacity and drive to sit down and figure it out and think about it and talk about it and, and that keeps me going and that keeps me getting the things done and that keeps me there and that keeps me at my job and so you have to ask yourself like am I evolving am I learning am I changing am I actually making progress and I think another thing is like speaking to friends outside of the, outside of the scenario and just explaining exactly what's happened and what you think and how you feel and people will give you advice and say well, actually well like why don't you ask manager feedback or why don't you just ask someone like what they thought or like to ask say guys I'm really want to work on improving this so like I'd love to know how I'm doing so I can improve going forward um and the final thing is just improving that internal voice um I was saying to my sister today I was like oh, I hate going to the gym because I just feel like people look at me thinking you look stupid you're doing that wrong look at your body like you're not doing that properly or like your form's bad or like you know I was saying when you see people doing stuff on Instagram they're going to the gym it seems like they're so pumped and there's like this like vibrance and like coolness to it and excitingness and fun to it right like they're at the gym they're being filmed with the camera like it's like the music's playing and like they're doing these powerful bursts and like these powerful like movements and they look great obviously because they've got great bodies and then when i go i feel like it's like less impactful and less fun and less like just less interesting and less exciting when i'm doing it but that i realized as i was saying i was like my vo- and, and I, I think to myself you look stupid like look at you like what are you doing like you're not doing it properly this isn't this is look at, like this isn't going right for you like are you actually going to make any difference like you're not even trying hard enough and like, i realized like my internal voice <clears throat> towards that is negative and so similar with the gym i've tried to change but also with imposter syndrome is changing your internal voice and thinking positively like actually well done today you got through another day simple something as simple as you got through another day or another week some weeks are really really tough or just saying like you know, actually you got that done on time and you got good feedback or like, that looks good to me. Or, that that was a good job. Or, like that was a great presentation. You did well on that, on that Zoom call. You handled that phone call really well, but propping yourself up intentionally and purposefully and consistently when you can, when you do good things. And also of course being balanced when you make mistakes and do things wrong, address them, acknowledge them, 
think about how you want to improve and then like let it go and move on but like acknowledging both things in equal equal parts is important and so when you can change that internal voice towards yourself and say things that are positive and make yourself feel better that's really important to do i think um and so that's something i've been doing and those things have all helped me um and of course it's an ongoing journey i'm kind of at a place now where i feel like i'm still evolving and still learning but i know i'm doing well because i've asked for feedback and i solicit feedback frequently from my managers and i catch up with them and ask them what's going on i ask team members and i ask people that work with me what they think and just generally just try and get that but also i think i try and be practical and look at the facts and look at what's happening and look at what i'm hearing what i'm seeing and how people engage me and then that kind of helps steer how i feel and of course it's good to think about these things and question your ability and think about where you are and where you want to be and how you can evolve but it's good to do it in a way that isn't like all-encompassing and fills you with dread and makes you feel like everything is negative there's a there are ways to do it that can be positive and help you support and grow so that's how i deal with it anyway and i'm sure i'm sure other people have different issues and different scenarios they're dealing with maybe it's in dating or i don't know whatever or in sports um a hobby or a talent or a group maybe but try those things i said i hope they help and that's what i kind of have done and it's helped me and it's evolved in different ways but if you are experiencing it again remember the definition back back to the definition Merriam-Webster said, persistent doubt concerning one's abilities or accomplishments accompanied by the fear of being exposed as a fraud despite evidence of one's ongoing success. If you have evidence that you're succeeding and you're continuously doing well, then you're probably experiencing imposter syndrome and you don't need to let it ruin your life. Um, it's a fear that is un- is, un- <laughs> is is unwarranted and it's, it comes from insecurity and we all have insecurities, insecurities in different ways, but what you can do is quiet that voice and just be happy and enjoy it because you're doing a great job relax so um on to timmy's takes today um it's quite gonna be a short one but i just i saw this video on um twitter earlier this week of this woman black couple she um i saw her videos probably a year ago now she's still making them i this thing with tiktok like i went on her page and people kind of have niches in tiktok where they make similar topics or they dress similar things and they tie them to different sounds but it's still the same kind of general vibe her vibe and her whole brand is that she cheated on her husband and he stayed with her and that she literally just makes videos about that and i just find it so insane and so weird that she is so the video i saw was her kind of saying um their face when you tell them that your husband cheated on on no sorry that's wrong their face when you tell them you cheated on your husband and it's like her making like a down kind of like shaky face and then it's like um your face when you know that he still loves you and forgave you and it's like that's fine but it's like i think it was even i think it was some kind of joke like 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 your face when you know that you like ended up winning and like the jokes on them because like you got to get back with him and it's like that's fine i'm not saying it's wrong that someone you cheat and people forgive you like i mean personally i don't know i don't know if, I, if i'm in that place yet but i think it's fine if he's made that decision but do we need as a society to use every life experience as a way to generate likes like that is a very personal and private thing that i'm sure most men or women or people of any gender would not want to be aired out that someone they love and trust and open their heart to has cheated on them and is using it now as a way to create a niche on TikTok. I just find it weird. And it's like people in the comments are saying his eyes, he looks like he's been crying and his eyes are so red. And it's like, I think obviously she's starting doing these videos and they've taken off. And so people are watching them. But now this guy has to sit in the background of every video she makes and be like, yeah, I'm the guy that got cheated on and I look like a d- dumb guy because I'm just taking it back. And like now she's mugging me off for views and for likes. Um, I That's one thing I struggle with is like, uh, like certain things. I'll see people make videos like, I surprised my grandma today with a like picture of her dead husband and then they're like filming their grandma get the gift and cry and it's like oh wow like she's so happy and then it's got four million views yes it's cute but like 
is that not a private and personal moment you need to share with your grandma alone? Or like I got brought my grandma her favorite fruit from from um, the Caribbean that I found at market, and she's crying like I haven't had these in years. I'm so happy to see you. like you're my best granddaughter ever. And then you take that personal moment, and you put it on in the internet. A, are you looking for validation that you're a good person? Because I can tell you for free, you are. Like keep it to yourself. You don't have to share the video. And B, are we that desperate for likes and again validation that we need to use private moments? And I, I guess people like seeing that stuff, but it just it feels invasive to me. Yes, I'll post a picture of me on a holiday and a picture of me like out for dinner, but I'm not going to post like. A recording of the conversation where someone tells me I'm a good friend like I don't need to do that I don't find that like necessary or like required but I guess people do I just think yeah that's my guess that's my take sometimes some things should be kept to ourselves and we don't need to post everything online for attention or for likes and people that do that often I find like there's kind of an insecurity or, and that's where it comes from but also I think there's like this culture where people know that that kind of things will get views so they kind of I think are quite often orchestrate those moments or create those fake situations that will eventually be cute and they can catch emotion that they can then share for likes and then and then also money right like if the views get you money too so she's, they're actually selling those moments which is just it just seems very black mirror to me and i don't like it um so that's that's my take on on that video keep some stuff to yourself okay well thank you for watching today's or should i say listening listening and watching today's episode of black eye um again as i always say if you enjoyed it please do leave a uh, comment and uh, rating and uh, review of some sort on Apple Podcasts. Thank you for everyone that's listened so far. Still getting more views, which I'm shocked that people are still listening and and watching. Um, follow the Instagram at Black Eye the Pod. If you have any suggestions, please DM me about topics. Well, obviously, this is a very broad um, podcast. I talk about whatever. So if the things you'd like to hear me talk about, or if you'd like to feature on the show, or if you have suggestions for guests as well, which I'm lo- I'm loving. I've had some come through so far. Please let me know about people you think I should speak to and um i'm hoping to get an, a, like a someone else on soon so i can do a kind of like a more broad um conversation but yeah that's this week's episode hope you guys have a good week better than my last few weeks and i'll see you guys on next week's episode goodbye <laughs>